Hey guys, and welcome back to the Pennies to Pounds podcast with your host Kay. And this is the podcast where we aim to dispel myths, simplify difficult financial jargon, and rectify your own personal problems. So today I'm with a very special guest. We have Hargreaves Lansdowne on the episode today. So for those of you who don't know, Hargreaves Lansdowne is the UK's leading saving and investment platform for private investors with over 1.3 million clients. Hello, we are delighted to be here as a guest of Pennies to Pounds to talk about investing. The first thing I'd like to say is the information in this podcast isn't personal advice. Unlike cash, investments can fall as well as rise in value. So you could get back less than you invest. And past performance is not a guide to the future. If you're ever unsure about investing, please seek the advice of a professional financial advisor. That's absolutely amazing. So it's worth adding in here that you should only invest money that you don't need access to in the shorter term. And also that tax rules change and benefits depend on individual circumstances. So today we're going to talk about investments, as I'm sure you are well aware. So who is this episode for? This episode is for people who have some level of investment and some knowledge, but you want to learn more and gain some more of the basic knowledge with regards to investments, do's and don'ts. So we're going to go straight into the episode. So Emma, I didn't even introduce you properly. Emma, Emma's joined me today. (laughs) Emma's joined me today to talk about investing. So how, what does the stock market look like at the moment? Because obviously we're in COVID, everything's a bit upside down. What does it look like at the moment? You know, if we've been having this conversation last year, it could be have been, although I'm sure as interesting and important a conversation, it would have been a much more boring conversation because my goodness, this year has just been like one we haven't seen for a very long time. So as everybody knows, there's been a global pandemic. And as well as the concerns about our health, which, of course, is paramount to people's importance. It has also affected our wealth as well. Because the stock market, made up of lots of companies, have been, in fact, have been affected, you know, as well as us locking down in our homes. Companies have faced restrictions. Some have shut down. Some have seen no money going in. And we can all think of those sectors, leisure, restaurants, hotels, travel companies, food companies, food delivery companies, catering companies. And so that uncertainty has impacted the stock market. And at the end of March, the beginning of April, we saw markets come down quite considerably as everybody tried to work out what all that uncertainty would mean for the economy, for companies. We've seen things recover a bit, much like our lives have recovered a bit. For people who aren't shielding, we've been able to start going out to pubs, to restaurants, to shops. And so the stock market has also recovered a bit, but there's still quite a lot of uncertainty around. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, everything is not like it was, as you mentioned. So that makes a lot of sense. But just to, just so we can separate it out, what would you say is the difference between saving and investing? I feel like sometimes people get this almost blended into one. But is there a difference that you'd say with regards to saving and investing? Well, technically, saving is anything where you put money away for a longer term. But we do tend to think about saving as cash. Okay. So, you know, you put money into a bank, whether that is a savings account, which you can access at any time. Or indeed, you know, there's a saving account where you can lock up your money for six, one, two, three years, which tend to give you a better rate of return. Investing is putting money into other assets other than cash. So that could be stocks. So that's a slice of a share of a company. Or it could be bonds, which is when you technically lend money to different borrowers. That could be a government. So the Bank of England um, or indeed the Bank of the, you know, the Federal Reserve in the US or it could be the National Bank of um, Singapore even, or it could be a company, so an IOU from a company. 
Um, and indeed, you can invest in other assets as well. So you can invest in what we call alternatives. So things like property, so commercial property. Um, and there's even obscure investing, which we always say is for the nichest of portfolios. So only ever a very small amount goes into these in a diversified portfolio, which are things like airline leases. Mm. So if you think about the world, people need cash, companies need cash, operations need cash. And, and so anywhere where someone will basically lend you money or you can buy a bit of something, that's investing. Love that. That makes a lot of sense. I think that'll clarify it for a lot of people who are wondering. But I'm sure there'll be people who will be thinking, right, so I've got my savings. I've got all my savings here. Do I need to invest? What is what is the benefit of me investing some money? What would you say? Um, well, the first thing I'd say is you're probably already an investor. You're probably an accidental investor. Because if you work for a company, even if you are a sole employee of a company, so you're the only person who works for that company, your company is duty-bound to provide you with a workplace pension. So you may think that you're not an investor, but if you get that letter through the door or that email um, once every six months about your workplace pension, that, that means that you are an investor. So that aside, there are numerous benefits to investing. So if we think maybe first with that workplace pension, because that is usually where most people get their introduction to investing, yep, there are tax benefits to a workplace pension. So I know people say there's no such thing as a free lunch, but there is such thing as free cash when it comes to a pension. So you put a bit of money in, but then your company puts a bit of money in and the government puts a bit of money in. So depending on those levels, you can end up with three times the amount being saved or invested on your behalf. So that's one benefit of investing. It's literally making your savings, your investment go further because other people are contributing to that end goal. And the other one is the rate of return that you can often get on investment. Now, this is absolutely not guaranteed, of like so not. much in life. <laughs> but if you think about savings accounts, so I really don't want to show my age, but when I first took out a savings account, I walked into um, what was newly Santander. It just stopped being Abbey National. Wow. People on this podcast <laughs> don't know what that is. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> um and, and I was able to get a pretty nice rate of return on cash. You know, I didn't even have to put in a load of money. I just put in like I think 20 quid a month. And I had something like 6%. Now, we That's really all good. know, oh, I mean, those days are far behind us, sadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and again, like I say, it's not guaranteed. But an investment portfolio, a well-diversified, well-managed investment portfolio can get you more returns on your money than cash. It's not guaranteed. It's not every year. But over the long term, particularly at the moment with such low interest rates, investing can just simply make your money go further. Amazing. I, I like that. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people should probably consider, if you haven't thought about it before, maybe consider putting your money and looking in a bit more as to how investment works and what that entails. So going straight into that, there are generally three main rules of thumb when it comes to investing. Would you agree? Yes, I would indeed. Absolutely. Risk diversification and compounding. There you go. Taking the words straight out of my mouth. So let's let's go for the first <laughs> one. So what is risk? Well, if you think about this like everyday life, there is always a risk reward, right? So yes. if you're an adrenaline junkie and you like throwing yourself out out to planes, the risk is obviously that something goes wrong and it's not a very nice ending. But the reward is for that calculated risk that you take is that you have a huge surge of adrenaline and you have the most amazing, not mind-blowing experience. Now, that's 
really not for me. I'm a bit more cautious Same. than that, I'm, but I'm you get like the that. picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything in life is a risk-reward trade-off. And the same is with investing. Now, hopefully we don't need to think about investing in the same way as bungee jumping or skydiving, <laughs> but there is always a risk that you take for a potential reward that you get. So if you think about the different, what we call asset classes, so these are cash. Cash is an asset class. We've talked a bit about that, how yeah. it's a pretty safe asset class, but at the moment in particular, you're not getting much reward. Then there's bonds the um, assets that I talked about where you're lending money to an entity, be it a government or a company, and they pay you, like an IOU, a rate of interest on that. Now, they tend to be more cautious. And because of that, the rate of interest that they pay you is lower, particularly the safer those assets are, are perceived to be. So, for example, you know how we all have a credit rating? Yes. And depending how good with our money we've been, our credit rating is better or it can be worse. Although there are things to improve your credit ratings. That's probably for another podcast. <laughs> you know, companies and countries also have a credit rating. So the better the credit rating, what it, um, the rating agencies deem them to be less risky. But it also means you're going to get less money, interest, less of an interest rate given to you in return for lending um, that country or that company money. And then finally, we have stocks, which are also sometimes called shares or also just to be confusing, sometimes called equities. And that's when you buy a tiny slice of a company. So you own, you know, 0.001% of a company or even if you have more money, 1%, 3%, 5% of a company. And in return, you get a share of that company's revenues, profits, and even their dividends. So that's something that they pay out. Some companies pay out on a regular basis to sort of reward shareholders, really, for their loyalties when they're doing well. Of course, that also means that the company is not doing very well. You don't get a share of the revenues. You don't get a share of the profits. You don't get any dividends. So as with each of those asset classes, there is a risk to take and there is a reward that you can potentially have. And all of that, it, it, it's not guaranteed. Um, and the more risk that you're willing to take on, potentially the bigger the reward, but also the bigger the risk. So the potential that you won't get that. Reward. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I, I feel like that was a really, really good rundown. So thank you for that. But let's say I'm coming now and I've got my my different goals. So I've got my life goals. Imagine I'm trying to save for my house and I want to save for my retirement. How would risk play a factor with regards to me deciding how risky I want to be because I'm 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 that adrenaline junkie that you spoke about earlier, but minus the minus the actually jumping off like a bungee or a plane, and I want to be really risky. Does that change with regards to my life goal, with regards to what I want to invest for? Yeah, absolutely. So, depending on your risk appetite, which is quite often linked to your investment horizon, right? So, say I was saving for a holiday that I wanted to go on in six months. I mean, let's hope we can all go on holiday. In we six hope months so. Time. We hope. <laughs> but it means that I know in six months' time I need to have that money, right? I'm not going to suddenly change the time that I want to go on holiday. I need that spending money. So I'm not going to want to take much risk with that money. It's probably best just going into cash where I, where I know it is, where, yeah, it might not get me much of a return. It might not get me any interest rate. But at least I know in six months' time that cash will be there. Okay. If you're investing for something like your pension and retirement, which I know sounds super boring and <laughs> decades off, but unfortunately we do have to engage in because we can't just turn up there at 60 whatever and expect the money to be there no, if we, we haven't put it away in the first place. Um, you can take a bit more risk because you've got a much longer investment horizon, you know, multi-decades to grow that pot. 
And so along the way, that investment might go up and down, but because of that longer term horizon, you can take on a bit more risk. So there's, the, there's that element to think about when you think about risk and, 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 and your kind of appetite. But then also investing is really personal. So I could have a 40-year investment horizon. But if I'm a cautious person and I know logging onto my account and seeing that my investments are way down, even if the likelihood is that they'll come back up again is just too much for me to stomach, then that just might mean that I have to be in more cautious assets. You know, nothing is guaranteed. And if I know for me that is just not something that I'm comfortable with taking on that risk, that even a longer term investment horizon may mean that I'm in more cautious assets. And it may mean I'm not taking that extra risk, so I won't get that extra return and that extra reward. But you've, you've got to think about it personally because, you know, as before, nothing in investment is guaranteed. So it's a mix of investment horizon and also your, your personal risk appetite. Amazing, amazing. That makes a lot of sense. So if we move on to the next rule of thumb, so that would be diversification. You've touched on it before, but what would that mean? So we, we've mentioned asset classes and the different types. We've mentioned our risk appetite, but what does it mean when it comes to what we want to diversify our portfolio? What does it actually mean? Well, it's all about not putting all your eggs in one basket. And that phrase always makes me laugh because when my girlfriends and I were dating and we would meet, met someone, we'd be like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So <laughs> I now always think about it with dating, but it's also a rule that can be applied with investment, you know, it's it's an adage that everyone has heard, and it applies to so many things, as I've just said. Yeah. But with investment, the reason, one of the reasons why it's really important is, is investments perform differently in different circumstances. So let's take that interest rate environment we were talking about earlier. We know that cash doesn't perform so well in a low interest rate environment. We've just talked about actually it's a pretty safe asset but it's not getting you much return when interest rates were low at other times when interest rates are high cash can actually look pretty attractive and then there are other assets which perform in, in different ways so there are certain equities which when interest rates are low don't look very attractive but they do when interest rates are high but then there are other types of stocks that look that are the opposite so when interest rates are high actually they don't look very attractive and they don't do very well. And so there are lots of different assets like that that perform well in lots of different environments. So it could be to do with interest rates. It could be to do with global growth. So some some investments perform really well when, when the world is growing at a fast rate. Some are more defensive and, and would do better when the world is not doing so well, like at the moment where we've got a bit of a period of kind of economic uncertainty. Otherwise, also there are things that do well when the stock market's rising rapidly and there are other things which do well when actually the stock market is falling like for example gold gold is what's called a perceived safe haven asset which is a bit of a mouthful but it basically <laughs> just means when people feel nervous they want to buy gold and so actually you would think god nothing will do well when the stock market's falling but actually gold does tend to do well because people want it as that perceived safe haven so if you think about all those different scenarios and all of those different potential investments that you could have, you want to hedge your bets, right? You ideally want to have a portfolio that has a little bit in lots of different types of investments that do well in lots of different types of circumstances. So whatever happens, and again, not guaranteed, but whatever happens, you will have some that don't do so well, but some that hopefully will do better. And so that way you're protected from all those different scenarios, but also you benefit from all those different scenarios. So 
that's the point of diversification, really. It, it's about hedging your bet. That makes a lot of sense. And I really enjoy that, especially the putting your eggs in different baskets. That's that's always that thing I just mentioned, <laughs> putting it in different baskets. So if you ever think, why am I diversifying my portfolio again? I'm putting my eggs into different baskets. So if one basket topples over and one of the eggs cracks, I've got the other baskets to fall back on. That's that's the whole exactly. point, which makes a lot of sense. So we've gone through risk. We've gone through diversification. Now, the last rule of thumb is compounding. So if anyone's like me, when I think of compound, I'm thinking of maths back in GCC. Didn't enjoy that, but I have to do the maths of working out compound. But how does that relate to investment? Well, there's two things things to think about with compounding and I'm the same I don't particularly want to be sitting here and doing lots of different equations although it is part of my job so I probably (laughs) should do some (laughs) and one of the benefits of compounding which is just investing regular small amounts is because it's easy and look you know we both know that investing it's not so complicated that you shouldn't do it or that you shouldn't you know make an effort to understand it but it's not the simplest thing in the world absolutely anything that can make it easier anything that can make it simpler as long as you're mindful of those potential risks is a is a good thing in my book if you set up a regular investment and you can do this on our platform but you can also do it lots of other places it makes it easy so you set up like a direct debit like you would pay for your gym membership or some people you know pay for their bus pass this way once that's set up you don't have to think about it And the benefit of doing it is that you're automatically investing. And this, again, is also how your workplace pension takes your money as well. It takes pre-tax from your your paycheck. So whatever the market is doing, you're buying into investment. So when market's going up, you're buying into investment. But when markets are going down, you're also buying into investment. And the reason why that particular scenario is important is because when markets are going down, you really don't feel like investing. It feels really uncomfortable to invest. But actually, sometimes that can be the best time to invest because units are cheap. And it means that you don't have to worry about timing when the bounce comes because you're already in. Yes, yes. That's one one benefit, regular investing. And then there's the compounding, which Einstein apparently called the eighth wonder of the world. But so much has been attributed to Einstein that I'm just kind of take that with a smoke. <laughs> um, and that basically, when I talked before about um, bonds paying you a rate of interest, that will be something that's paid out and could be automatically reinvested so that you own more units so that when the investment also pays out that rate of interest, you get more interest, which is again reinvested. So it's cumulative effect. And that also works with dividends. So before I said about investing in what we call stocks or shares or equities, sometimes you get a slice of the business and they pay out something called a dividend, which is just a share of their profits, really. Mm -hmm. They're just sharing the fact that they've done really well and they're rewarding shareholders. And that payout, you can reinvest. And so then, again, you own more shares so that when those shares in turn pay out, you can own more shares. And you're just accumulating, you know, all that good stuff when it is good good, Um, and so that's the power of compounding that's great compounding is just just the repeat effect of just when you get the money when you get the dividends when you get the interest putting it back and just buying in more stocks whether the market's good or bad as you mentioned if it's bad you get stuff essentially at a discount you get like a a cheaper deal that way but that makes a lot of sense Yeah, the thing about regular investing, it's 
is it takes out that, you know, that bias that we have. You know, I think there's so much that, that's really interesting about kind of um, the human psyche and how it can, that fight or flight, and sometimes that can lead to really good outcomes for us. But sometimes it, it can stop us doing things in life. And falling markets is one of those. You know, you wouldn't want to put it all all your money on, on one thing in that scenario. But if you're just drip feeding into the market, it takes the pain out of it. You don't even have to think about it. And often, exactly what you said, that could mean if you've chosen the right funds or the right investments to be in, that you're actually buying something good at a discount. And, and so it can prove to be really beneficial long term. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's kind of clarified how you should think about investing. So if we just run through the rules of thumb again, so the three rules of thumb when it comes to investing is to consider your risk. What is your risk appetite? How risky do you want to be with your investments? And it also should align with your goals. Then to diversify your portfolio. So as we said before, to put your eggs into different baskets and not just into one basket. So if one thing tanks, you've still got something else to fall back on. And then compounding. So being able to accumulate interest, dividends, money, and reinvest it for the future, you can keep going and earning more money, which is amazing. So we, we love to hear that. What would be some of your, your last final almost like tips to leave people on? I think the main one is to not be afraid to jump in and to learn about investing. You know, it is a big wide world out there. And sometimes just because there is so much to read, you're scared to take the first step. But even just engaging perhaps with your workplace pension you know rather than ignoring those emails or those things that come through the letterbox give it a read see what you're invested in get engaged and and you know really see the power of how you're investing your employers investing and the government's investing really does for you don't be afraid of investing basically would be my takeaway you know get involved get reading and get started that's amazing. Thank you, Emma, so much for helping clarify this for everyone listening. If you are listening and you want to learn more, you can go to the Hargreaves Lansdowne website. There's a special section dedicated to learning. So if you want to carry on your learning, you can visit www.hl.co.uk forward slash beginners. But this has been an amazing episode, Emma. Thank you so much for joining me. I've learned oh, so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank Honestly, you. I've learned so much. This has been amazing. So hopefully to everyone listening, they've learned the same. Um, yes and thank you so much we'll be back again next week with the pennies pounds podcast but this is the end of this episode so thank you so much